Welcome to I Need Some Air. Bending. A last airbender fan cast from someone who's seen the show before. And someone who has not. I'm Landon Ferguson. And I'm Michael Williams. After leaving the desert, the group meets up with Suki at a refugee port and attempts to lead a family through the serpent's pass to Ba Sing Se. They are attacked by a giant serpent, but manage to ward it off and make it across. Meanwhile, Zuko and Iroh are also on their way to start a new life in the Earth Kingdom capital of Ba Sing Se and encounter Jet and some of the freedom fighters with whom Zuko starts to bond. Aang and the group finally make it to Ba Sing Se, only to find the Fire Nation is about to send a gigantic drill to destroy the city's walls. So Michael, did the Serpent's Pass fool you into thinking it was just a jagged pass? Like, did you ever once think, like, oh, I guess there isn't a serpent, it's just the landscape? Or were you fully expecting a serpent all the way through? Yeah, I think I remember thinking... That for the Serpent's Pass, it was just a long and winding path. But I did not remember thinking that there was an actual serpent that would plague the pass. And there ended up being an actual serpent. So um, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I think it's a nice twist, I guess, or just a way to hide the actual threat of the Serpent's Pass by making it be both where it is a crooked, jagged trail, but there is also a serpent. Yep. Overall, a very dangerous pass. Yes, and really, I mean, other than the cliff sides, the only, like, danger of the serpent was just this, like, hundred-yard section that was, like, submerged underwater. Like, other than that, you're not really dealing with the serpent very much. Yeah, that's the only time you would encounter the serpent, but you also have to deal with the fact that the pass, or really the path itself, is on the edge of this very fragile rock formation mm -hmm. that may crumble. And they also had Fire Nation ships that were patrolling in the waters. Yeah, but only on one side, I think they, they said, and that was because they were trying to hide a project that they've been working on, is the rumor which we see at the end of this episode, is the drill. So I think this episode is really meant for Aang in that he is trying to cover up or compensate for his emotional outbursts and overreacting to Appa's theft by just being completely stoic and not feel anything. And it's through this episode realizing that Letting go of hope is not the right thing, and that he does need to allow his feelings to to be. Yep, that is the lesson that he learns by the end of the episode. Through really a multitude of events in this episode, there's a lot that goes on. Mm -hmm. And it's all these little things that kind of build up that lead him to have this emotional realization at the end of the episode. All these little things, such as like, talking with Katara, helping this couple get to Ba Sing Se, and the wife and the couple is pregnant, and she gives birth, and him witnessing that gives him this really emotional thing, like you said, about not losing hope. And we see at the end of the episode that he decides he's just going to go ahead and look for Appa. He's not going to give up hope on finding Appa. 
But that's kind of cut short because it, as soon as he starts flying, he sees the drill from the Fire Nation. But there's a lot of buildup to that moment. And I like that trying to hide his emotions didn't take away from the fact that he was still the Avatar and his character still showed through like trying to do the right thing by giving up their tickets to help this couple get through the Serpent's Pass or even just trying to convince the lady to let them on the boat and still trying to just do his duty of being the Avatar even though he was in this dark place. Yeah, overall I liked Aang's journey in this episode. So the rest of Team Avatar is kind of intertwined with each other. We see Katara is maybe the most aware of Aang's mental state and tries to talk to him about what he's going through and comfort him and he just is not accepting it. He's just like being very polite and, you know, thank you Katara and walks away from her when she offers him a hug and everything. And with Sokka, he is, he's very happy to meet up with Suki again. But when he finds out that she wants to come along on Serpent's Pass with them, he at first just tries to talk her out of it. Like, are you sure? Is, don't you need to be here? And while she's on the pass with them, there's moments where there's danger and everything. And he's very overprotective of Suki because of his loss with Yue which I thought was a very, very interesting side of Sokka to see, this worry for him because he cares about Suki in a similar way to how he cared about Yue, and he doesn't want to lose anyone else. And we find out that Suki actually was coming on the pass for the same reason. She came to protect Sokka, which I thought was a very funny reveal at the end of the episode. I had completely forgot about that. Yeah, I liked seeing Suki back. Yeah, it's nice to see what she's been up to since she left Kiyoshi. I, just, I, don't know, I enjoy her and Sokka together, I, mm -hmm. and I liked their storyline. Because, yeah, you're right, we do see Sokka still struggling, at least with a little bit of guilt over what happened to Yue, mm -hmm. and he doesn't want what happened to her to happen to Suki. And then I think, I think near the end of the episode, he learns to let go of it and to just spend whatever time he has with Suki. Because he, he genuinely likes her. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he does sort of let go of the guilt a little bit. Like, he's never going to forget Yue, but he realizes that he can't just stop Suki from being who she is and doing what she wants to do as well. But yeah, you're right. It also is just that enjoying his time with Suki. And we see that they share a kiss at the end of this episode. And so, like, I think, I think it solidifies their relationship and symbolizes... Sokka moving on from Yue a little bit. And I really liked that moment of him sitting on the rock at night looking up at the moon and thinking about her. I'm sure he, he does that more than the show reveals. Yeah, I think so too. But getting through the Serpent's Pass was really a team effort. We see with crossing the pass, there's a couple of rock slides and Toph just takes care of that, no problem. When they get to the gap in the path, Katara and Aang use waterbending to just walk underwater through the pass. When the serpent arrives, which is a really cool reveal, by the way, Toph just lifts part of the ground up so they're back on top of the water and have a little bit of a stable platform. Do you think Toph would have been able to lift up all of the sunken part of the pass? Or do you think maybe that would have been too much for her to try? 
it looked pretty shallow at a certain point, but I don't know, when they got into the middle section where Toph lifted up the land, it may have been deeper than the show let on a little bit. Like, it, it seemed like it was quite a ways down. But sometimes, like, distance is referenced as being a factor in earthbending or in bending any element, I guess. And also, bending earth through another element like water is also a factor. So I don't know. She might have been able to do it in pieces. Kind of like how we saw Katara with the ice. It took her like three different attempts at doing the ice to get it all the way across to make the bridge. So maybe she could have like, you know, raised some up and walked. But I think the depth would have been a factor. Yeah, you're probably right. And also, if I think about it, I don't think we've ever seen, at least an earthbender, bend like a whole area of land. I think we've only seen the Avatar do that. And that was Avatar Kyoshi moved an island. But she was the Avatar, and Toph is only an Earthbender. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I think just it was easier to do what Katara and Aang did in that moment. I think maybe if they perceived the danger of the serpent, maybe that's what they would have gone for. That was just a thought I had as soon as she lifted them out of the water. Right, yeah, that's fair. Sticking with Suki and Sokka, we had a nice little moment with Toph when she was stuck on the island that she brought out of the water, and Katara helped make ice for the character to get to the other side. And we saw that Toph didn't want to walk on the ice because it was the same deal as walking on sand. She couldn't see. Mm -hmm. And so she slowly made her way across, but eventually the ice shattered, and Suki came out and saved her, but Toph thought it was Sokka. This is a great moment, because Sokka's like, I'm coming, Toph, and he's like taking the time to like take his boots off. And yeah. Suki just goes right for it and jumps in. I always love that part. It's like Suki's just down to business, no nonsense, grabs Toph, and yeah, she thinks it's Sokka because he's the one that called out and kisses Suki on the cheek, and yeah, it's great. And then her embarrassment, she just, it's like, you can just let me drown now. Yeah, I just thought that was adorable. Yeah. And when they all get across, we see that their struggles are not over when the family they're with, the wife... Ying starts to give birth and this was another group effort that like the team just especially Katara just jumped right in she's like I've got experience with this I used to help Grand Grand no problem while meanwhile Sokka's freaking out which I thought was totally in character for Sokka but we see Toph makes a tent for them Suki and Katara go in and do their thing and Aang goes and gets rags which when Katara was like Aang gather some rags I was like from where? Did he get rags? I, you never see it. She said that. I just couldn't remember. It's like, did he actually get rags? It's like, give me a, give me a liter of saline stat. Like, <laughs> Katara, we are in the middle of an ocean. So we don't have any of that. So, yeah. And then we literally have the birth of a new character. Yes. Who they, who they name Hope. Mm-hmm. Which is not the most Avatar name. I was totally remembering this as, like, it was going to be some other language or other nationality name that they said meant hope but i forgot they just flat out named the baby hope yeah it's just hope i mean it's better than tom tom absolutely but yeah it's still not the most avatar name i'm sorry it just isn't yeah i i, I wish the best for hope in that same vein of talking about like other languages and stuff the show always has its text written in Chinese symbols, or at least similar 
to Chinese symbols. I'm not exactly sure if they're one for one, but the sign outside of the Serpent's Pass says Abandon Hope. And there's no reason for any character normally to like read that out loud. They all can read, they all see it, but we can't. The viewer can't see what it says. And they like how the, it was just so natural. Toph can't read what it says. So she asks, what does it say? And it gives everyone a chance to read it out loud. You know, and then the viewer gets to see it when Aang says, abandon all hope. I thought that was just such a natural use of the situation. Yeah, I did think that was clever of the writers in the episode. So we get to see Zuko and Iroh in this episode again. And they meet up with Jet, who we haven't seen since his original episode in season one. Were you surprised to see Jet's return? Uh, I was surprised to see Jet return. I did not think he was going to come back. But even if he did, I wasn't expecting him to meet up with Iroh and Zuko, of all people. Yeah, this was an interesting character pairing in that it makes total sense with Zuko's current situation. Yeah, we had a, a funny line from Iroh at the beginning. So, who knew that I would come back to the site of my greatest defeat as a tourist? Yeah, that was good. Iroh's just always finding the happy part of it. Good old Iroh. But we see with Zuko's mindset, he is upset with their situation again. That they're eating old food, sleeping outside. They have become refugees. And Jet recruits him to help them steal food from the boat captain to feed everyone else. It's like what Jet's group told themselves they were doing, or at least started out doing in the first place. They were actually doing it. They were doing this Robin Hood steal from the rich to give to the poor thing. And it was very cool to see the group acting as a well-oiled machine and adding Zuko into that mix as another member of the group for this mission. I think the biggest sentiment here, the, I guess the biggest lesson, is that when Jet is talking to Iroh and Zuko after they've liberated the food, they're talking about Ba Sing Se, and Iroh mentions what a spectacle the walls are. And... Jet says, oh, you've been there before. And Iroh says, once, when I was a different man. But I believe people can change. I believe people can have a second chance. And he sort of looks at Zuko for this. I think he's wanting Zuko to hear him say this. But he's also telling it to Jet. And it's something that, like, we don't really see it resonate with Jet, but it is relevant to Jet because we're possibly seeing Jet's second chance and possibly that he's changed. Yeah, and it, it sounds just like Iroh to be able to feel that out and say, impart some wisdom in such an expert manner. Mm -hmm. It applies both to Zuko and to Jet. Yeah, and I really wanted to put emphasis on this line from Iroh because I think it will play a factor in next week's episode. Yeah, I am looking forward to seeing what this dynamic of Jet joining Iroh and Zuko, what that will look like. Mm -hmm. Because I have to imagine at some point Jet's going to figure out who they actually are. Ah, okay. I don't think they can keep that secret for long. Right. Yeah, and I think that's what is the importance of what Iroh stated with this line, is that people deserve a second chance. And I think Jet's reaction will be whether or not he captured that lesson from Iroh. We will see. 
So for world building in this episode, I think we get the refugee port outside of Ba Sing Se that is hidden from the Fire Nation so they can't find it. But it's not like a free ride. You have to have a passport. And it looks like purchase a ticket? Was there money changing hands? I really don't know. I don't remember Toph giving them any money. Yeah, I think she just had the seal of the flying boar, so maybe not. But you had to have, like, some sort of identification or passport. Which makes me wonder, how did Zuko and Iroh get a ferry? I'm sure... Oh, wait. The guy from the White Lotus Yes, that's out. it just occurred to me when I asked. Yes, it was the White Lotus thing was helping them get to Ba Sing Se. We solved it. Question asked, question answered. But we see that this port is really the only way to get to Ba Sing Se. At least, I guess, from this side of the map, from the region. Yeah. Other than the Serpent's Pass, which no one takes, except the family states that that's only for the truly desperate. Yeah, I guess if they were coming at Ba Sing Se from a different direction, they would have been able to take a different route. Mm -hmm. But since they were coming at them, I guess from the south? They didn't really say what direction they were coming from. But since they were coming up on like these massive bodies of water, the ferry and the Serpent's Pass was the only option they could take. If we guess off of Sokka's map that they were down south and that Ba Sing Se was up north, that they were coming from the south side, Ba Sing Se was up at the upper end of that map, and it could be that most of the Earth Kingdom is south of Ba Sing Se. So this port is where almost everyone gets funneled to. That if you were coming from the northern side, you may be closer to the Fire Nation than you'd want to be. Okay, so I'm looking at a map now of The Last Airbender, and the Earth Kingdom is like all on the east, and the Fire Nation is across the ocean to the west, so they're not even connected by the same landmass. But Ba Sing Se is like on the border edge of the ocean, so most of the Earth Kingdom is to the south of Ba Sing Se. All right. Well, that makes sense. We solved another one, Michael. All right. That's great. We keep solving them. Anything else? We could talk about like all the returning characters. Like Suki, the pregnant couple from Zuko Alone. Wait, was that the couple? Yeah, that was a couple. Oh my gosh, you just blew my mind. Yeah, that was the couple that Zuko decided not to rob. I have never noticed that. Did you just notice that or did you read something? I, I noticed it because they, they roughly looked the same. I don't remember Thon's sister, but I remember it was... Because it was the fact that it's a pregnant woman. Well, yeah, but now that you say that, I'm remembering that scene. And yeah, I, I think you're completely right. That was the couple. They look the same. Yeah, I just immediately drew it because we haven't really seen a lot of pregnant women in this show. The, look, the location and the time frame all adds up on that, too. Like, that's... It's just there's no such thing as a throwaway character in the world of Avatar. That's fantastic. Well, that remains to be seen. I have yet to judge. I suppose, but I've never noticed that before. Ah, well, this is what I bring to the table. I'm sure this is like old news to everyone who's a fan of this show. They probably, everyone all knows this. I didn't, and I love it now. Alright, what's next in world building? <laughs> well, I'm sure you can't hold it in anymore, so go ahead and tell us your revelations about the cabbage salesman for this episode. He's back, Landon. 
the cabbage salesman is back, and he was trying to destroy Ba Sing Se in his <laughs> endgame, because he is the true villain. You saw, they, they, the woman handing out tickets narrowly defeated him and managed to send him home in disgrace, but he was trying to destroy the ecosystem of Ba Sing Se. Because one cabbage, one cabbage, Landon, will offset the entire ecosystem of Ba Sing Se. See, the, the cabbage salesman recognized Iroh, even the great dragon of the West, wasn't able to break through the walls of Ba Sing Se. So he knew he had to destroy it from the inside. So he was going to send in his cabbages, Landon. But alas, he was foiled. He was foiled by bureaucracy, Landon. <laughs> bureaucracy. That's the true villain right there. To everyone. Bureaucracy. Avatar The Last Airbender is nothing but a Kafka-esque dream. <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to tie this into the rest of the Cabbage Salesman's conspiracy theory. But... I forgot you said he was the true villain for the entire show. So, yes, I guess trying to destroy Ba Sing Se with a single head of cabbage. Well, actually, he had a whole cart of cabbage, so he was, like, it was overkill, if this is true. He was going to do it, Landon. He was going to bring down Ba Sing Se. I think it's time I defend the cabbage salesman. Yeah, how dare you? Trying... How dare you? You're not, you are not going to do this. <laughs> You, I you think can't he's just defend. trying to grow you his cabbage empire. Vile scum. He's just trying to grow his cabbage empire through monetary means. No, no, no. He's trying to defeat everyone, Landon. He is the villain. Can we talk about where his cabbage fields are? Because I have to imagine we're pretty far from Amashu, and that was the first place we saw him at, trying to sell cabbages. And now he's got another cart of cabbages that he's traveled all the way to the outer gates of Bossing Se with. How are these things still fresh? Where are his fields? Landon, he grows the cabbages wherever he needs them. A true cabbage bender can grow a cabbage where need be. Oh, right, he's a cabbage bender. I forgot he is a cabbage bender. <laughs> that is the ultimate of the bending styles. He'll bend food. Okay, so if we see the cabbage salesman in Bossing Se, and he has cabbages, we should be worried. We should be worried, Landon. He's going to destroy Ba Sing Se. I'll be honest, the cabbage salesman is like a very popular trope and meme from the show, and I would have sworn he appears more often than he has by now. Yeah, I've. you don't understand how long I've been holding it in because we've had no cabbage salesman in this whole season. Yeah, I thought about that when he popped up. I was like... Man, it's actually been a while. I could have sworn there was more Cabbage Salesman jokes. But the show's not over yet, so we'll have to see how many more we get. And with that out of the way, our plot development for this week is the team is closer to Bossing Say. They're literally outside the gates for their plan to tell the Earth King about the eclipse. But now we have the drill outside this massive, massive drill coming at the walls. So a couple questions for you, Michael. What did you think of actually seeing Bossing say for the first time in this outer wall? And what did you think about the drill when it showed up? Well, I think Ira was right. The walls look magnificent. I think from seeing the outer wall, the city has to be enormous. Because that's what it looks like to me. It looks like it's going to be very big. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if city is the right word for Bossing Say. It's the word they use, but it, it it is massive. So I don't know if there's another word between city and state, but... I was trying to think of a word, but I couldn't find it. Yeah, I don't know that there is one. But, I mean, does it does it hold up to its reputation? I mean, it had to have been something massive to withstand a 600-day siege. Yeah, I, I definitely think that it holds up to its reputation. And I'm excited to see what the inside of the city looks like. What about the drill? I thought it was just bad luck that when they finally got to the city, that's when the Fire Nation is attacking with a drill. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I know they're going to use a drill to get through the wall, but that just makes me wonder, how did Iroh get through the first wall? Like, what did he do? Like, just firebending or like explosives or something I, maybe a combination of a lot of things but you'd have to imagine whatever they were using if it maybe be catapults or maybe explosives that every bit of damage they did was probably repaired by an army of earthbenders so maybe just sheer persistence wears them down enough where they can finally just break through the wall i don't know well I am excited to see what the resolution with this drill is, and how Aang and the gang are going to combat it. Yeah, they've got quite a boss fight coming up with this drill. And to me, this drill represents the culmination of all the technology and industrialization that the Fire Nation has, has gotten their hands on. The massive tanks and all the other machinery that they've been using recently. And whether or not they got the plans from Teo's father a long time ago or not, it definitely has his mark on it. This is his handiwork, whether he directly designed it or not. That's just my headcanon, though, because I'm pretty sure there's nothing in the show that ever states that. But I'm, st I'm sticking with it. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please leave us a review. Help spread the word. Helps out the podcast very much. And we appreciate you for listening. All right, Michael, tell us what next week's episode is about. All right. Well, next week's episode is Season 2, Episode 13, The Drill. Aang discovers a plot by the Fire Nation that threatens Ba Sing Se. So, I mean, I think it's pretty much safe to assume that's the drill. Uh, yeah, I would say so. That's pretty much the end of this episode right here. Mm-hmm. Really not much to go off of from that description. Yeah, I think it's possible that there might be more to the plan than just the drill, but I don't remember specifically, so just have to wait and see. All right, well, join us next week for our discussion of the drill.